I want to extend a very warm welcome to everybody today. And as we join together in worship, uh, we pray that God will bless uh, this worship to us. We long to get back to God's house, but at the moment, this is where we are. And we pray that we will know God's Spirit wherever we are as we listen and engage uh, in His Word today. Another call to worship, I'm going to read first of all from Psalm 122. This is from Sing Psalms. To the Lord's house they were calling, and with joy I went with them. Now at last our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. See Jerusalem like a city built compactly, close and strong. That is where the tribes assemble, tribes which to the Lord belong. To the Lord's name praise the offer, as for Israel decreed. They are set the thrones for judgment, thrones of David's royal seed. Pray for Zion's peace and safety. May your friends securely dwell. Peace within your walls continue, strength within your citadel. For the sake of friends and brothers, peace be in you, I will say. For the sake of our God's temple, I seek your prosperity. Uh, may we <coughs> now draw together in prayer and ask God to bless us. <clears throat> o Lord, as we gather together today, uh, in, in, our, in our own homes. We are also aware of the togetherness that belongs to your people. Even although we might be separate physically, there is still a spiritual bond that binds our hearts together. We long to get back to church. We long to be fellowshipping one with another, just the way it used to be. But uh, as things stand at the moment, uh, we don't see that happening just immediately, although some congregations have managed to get back. And uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, it might please you that it won't be too long until we'll be able to get back. And help us, Lord, to remain patient and to be content, to have the spirit of patience and contentment in the face of where we're at just now, realizing that although the restrictions may appear to us sometimes not only frustrating, but sometimes we might even think unnecessary, yet we have to realise that uh, those in authority know what they're doing. And so we, uh, we pray, Lord, that we will be given the spirit of compliance and be willing uh, for the, the greater good to realise that this is a measure that uh, we have to go through. As we've heard it, uh, when pandemics take place and throughout the history of this world, uh, lockdown can happen very quickly. But the coming out of lockdown has historically taken a long time. And with our generation, probably, Lord, we have to confess that patience is not something we're good at. And so maybe we're having to learn patience uh, in these things. And so we pray that you will bless us. Bless us, each and every one, in our bodies, minds and souls. And ask, Lord, that you will do us good. We need you. We need you every single day. We need you day and night. And we give thanks, Lord, for the knowledge that you have put in our heart of our need of you. And uh, we give thanks, Lord, that we're not living as uh, maybe as some people do, not that we are in any way making ourselves any better than other people, but we realize that some people never think about you. And even if they do, it is negatively. We give thanks, Lord, for what you have put in our heart. We give thanks for the ministry of your Spirit. We give thanks, Lord, for the way you have opened our eyes to see and our ears to hear, because we have to confess, were it not for that, uh, we would be blind as well. We would be deaf as well. Our hearts would be hard. And we pray if, there, if there's anybody listening in today, and they have to say that their, their eyes are dim, that they, they do not see you, that they do not hear really your word, the life of your word, and uh, that their hearts are cold to you, we pray, Lord, that you'll change that so that their hearts will be open to receive you, that their eyes will see the King, and uh, that their ears will hear your word. Help us to remember that to your people you speak peace. O oh Lord, we pray then that you will bless us, bless each and every one of us and all whom we love. What a privilege we have that we're able to come to you and to, to bring all our needs and our worries, our fears, our concerns, and to lay them before you and Ask you, Lord, to do in us and for us far and beyond anything that we could ask or think. Lord, we pray your blessing upon all the various age groups in life. 
We pray for our young. Pray for those, Lord, who might be just starting out at nursery and play group for the first time. Pray, Lord, for those who are going back to school, maybe those who are starting school or just started for the first time. Lord, we, we pray that you'll be with them and help them to settle in. We pray, Lord, for those who are uh, going through difficult times, maybe uh, those in school with health issues, and ask, Lord, that you will watch over them and uh, be with them. And we pray, Lord, that you will uh, be with our teachers, and we give thanks for them, and ask, Lord, that you will encourage them. It's been a difficult time for the whole education system uh, throughout uh, this uh, pandemic. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless not only the young, but the middle-aged, and uh, though the young uh, people who are starting out into new jobs that had been expecting to. We know, Lord, this is an incredibly difficult time. And uh, so many people, their hopes and expectancies have been dashed. We pray that that will only be for a temporary stop and that things will soon get back to a greater degree of normality. We pray, Lord, for those who are going through difficult times, maybe with the uncertainty of work, uh, their future is so uncertain, so bleak. We pray for those who may have lost jobs. And what a crushing blow that is, where everything everything changes, where the normal income is, uh, is depleted and great worries and concerns come in. and It changes uh, all the plans for the future when these things happen. And, oh Lord, our God, we pray uh, that... Uh, employment will will be found oh lord our god we, we were made to work and ask lord that you will provide work help us to see your hand in in all things and help us to realize when you speak to us uh, because sometimes you take away things in order that we may realize just what we had and our dependence upon you oh lord we pray then that you will help us bless the aged those lord who struggle uh, with ill health and those who are going through difficulties because of the advanced years who can no longer do for themselves but are virtually dependent upon others. They have reverted almost to, to, like, to, to babies. But we give thanks for all the provision that is made and all the care. And we give thanks for all our carers, Lord. We are indebted to them for all that they do and the loving way in which they care for the elderly and tend to them. And so we also remember our hospitals, our nursing staff and all doctors and consultants and uh, all who all who work tirelessly uh, for the well-being and good of others. Remember all our emergency services, the fire and the police and paramedics, the ambulance, the lifeboat, the coast guard, and, um, the all all who are involved in rescuing and helping people in need. We commit them to your care and we give thanks for them. We give thanks, Lord, for all the provisions that we do enjoy. And uh, as a the threat of the COVID-19 seems to be looming larger again. We pray, Lord, that you will protect us. You have been good to us here in this island. We ask, Lord, that you will continue to be so. But we ask, Lord, also for our whole land, that you will protect us, that you will put a shield around us. We need you because uh, we are powerless uh, against this tiny little virus. And so we pray that you'll be with us. As we come under your word now, we ask, Lord, that you will bless that word to our souls, uh, that you will nourish us and strengthen us by it. And so we pray that you will be with those who are ill, those who are seriously ill. Lord, we pr pray that you will prepare those who are facing death, prepare them for death. And may, they, may you have mercy upon their souls. That's what we pray for above all. We ask, Lord, for healing for those who are laid aside, those who are going through difficult times. We pray for those who have received treatment of late and ask, Lord, that that treatment will really work. Sometimes it's difficult and there are, there are often uh, things as a result of the treatment, but we pray that they'll come through all that and that you will bless them and be with those who, who sorrow, whose hearts are sore, all the bereaved, Lord. We commit them to your care. All deal graciously and tenderly with them. Forgive us then our every sin, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. <clears throat> now I'm just going to say a wee word to, to the young people. Um, our grandson, Joshua, uh, I think I mentioned this before, uh, he uh, is absolutely digger daft. And I'm sure he's like a lot of 
little boys of that age. He's two, he's two this weekend. And he uh, is, as I say, like so many young wee, wee boys at that age, just diggers are the most wonderful thing in the world. Uh, after diggers, next after diggers, we come to the plains. Plains are wonderful. He loves to see a plane take off. He loves to see the planes speeding down the runway. He loves to see the planes land. And it's always the same as with diggers. It's diggers, wow, planes, wow, big sky. He just, he, he loves planes. And after planes come the boats. And he loves to see a boat come into the pier. And he loves to see a boat go out from the pier. And uh, last week, a day we had Joshua, after I'd given him his two-hour diet of diggers and planes and boats, where we, I think I know where every digger is in Stornoway and all the way to Tun, and I think we saw three planes in the course of the day either taking off or coming in, and we saw two or three boats come in or go out. So it was a pretty full two hours of diggers, boats and planes. <clears throat> Somebody said to me, wouldn't it be great if there was a transport museum here because you could then take him down and you wouldn't need to be chasing all over the place looking at uh, these things. And I was thinking, well, yeah, that, that would be great. But uh, what got me thinking was, he's much more interested in seeing diggers working and he's much more interested in seeing the planes coming in and taking off rather than just being parked. And he's much more interested in seeing the, the boats coming alongside the pier or moving away from the pier rather than just being berthed at the pier. So he likes to see these things at work at doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I was thinking that about the, uh, a transport museum. There's a tremendous transport museum in, in, in Glasgow and it's really, really worth a visit because you, I think you see everything there from, from roller skates all the way up to great big steam engines. And uh, <clears throat> there are trams and uh, there, there, there's, there's trams and buses of different, different sort of ages and uh, model, uh, models of ships, steam trains, right up to gypsy caravans, cars of every age up to about 100 years old. But the one thing, and don't get me wrong, it's, if you're in Glasgow, it's definitely worth a visit. But the, same, the thing is, if you go there the next day and the day after the day, the cars will be in exactly the same place. They never shift, week in, week out, month in, month out, in the exact same spot. And while uh, they're great to see and to look at, we don't buy cars or we don't go on a bus simply to look at it. It's to take us from one place to another, because that's what they're for. And as it gives me back to saying exactly about Joshua, that he likes to see them doing things, what they're supposed to be doing. And it's the same, I suppose. I, I've always liked football, and throughout the years since I was young, looking back, I've been in lots of different uh, stadiums on tour, done a tour, uh, I've been in the Aberdeen Petaudry Stadium and Ibrook Stadium and Hamden and Villa Park and Old Trafford and the New Camp in Barcelona. Done a tour in all these, uh, in all these, and maybe there's more, but they, they spring to mind. And while it's great to see uh, the different, the, the different stadiums, and some of them are, some of them are spectacular. It's not, a tour is great to see, but what you're wanting to see really is what happens within these stadiums, and that is a game of football. It was all very well being in the new camp, and uh, yeah, it was great, and being in the dressing room, and you say, boy, this is, this, is, this is where Messi puts on his football strip. But there was no sign of Messi, and we didn't see him play. And that's what football stadiums are really about, is to see football being played. Lots of people enjoy going to churches and uh, there's a lot of magnificent churches in our own land, particularly some great cathedrals. 
And I must confess, I also like going into great big churches and admiring what they're like. Some of the cathedrals, there's a cathedral in Inverness and it's, it's beautiful. St Giles Cathedral in, in Edinburgh. And there are various uh, abbeys and cathedrals and things and that. You go and you look at them and you say, whoa, it's amazing. The, the stonework and the stained glass windows and just the joinery and all the different things. And you say, what work went into this? But you know, churches haven't really been made just to be admired. The buildings aren't just there to be admired. Because a church building is for us to go to worship God. And the most beautiful thing that can happen in a church is when it's got God's people in it and they're worshipping and praising God. Indeed, a church full of people worshipping and praising God, I would say, is the greatest thing that is taking place in the world at the time. Where people are gathered together and they're praising the God of heaven and earth. It's a wonderful thing. I don't think there's anything greater that can be taking place at that time than when that is happening. And that makes us just now realise just how much we miss church. I miss church and I believe that you, you do as well. And you miss your Sunday school. Now, uh, your Sunday school teachers, wonderfully, are going to try and give you work so that you'll be able to do it at home until we get back to Sunday school. Because they missed you and you miss them and they're thinking of you and they're going to give you work so that your parents will be able to do your Sunday school work with you. They'll set out what it is and there'll be a wee teaching lesson come with it. And it's wonderful what they're, what they're planning for you until the day comes when we're able to get back again, back to church and back to Sunday school. And I hope that you're I hope that you're really thinking about going back to Sunday school and going back to church. And I hope that when you do go back, that you'll be like what the first the psalm that we read at the beginning, Psalm 122. Because well in the in the in the metric it says, I joyed went to the house of God and the sing psalms to the Lord's house. They were calling, and with joy I went with them. I pray that that's how it will be when we get back. And I pray that all of us will get back and we'll get back with joy and we'll be able to meet together and to worship God. But right now, we're worshipping God in our own homes, which is also a wonderful thing. And I ask and I pray that every day you will ask God to bless you and ask God that you might have praise for him in your heart, thanking him for all that he has done in your lives. We're going to <clears throat> say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine's the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're going to read God's word from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And we're going to pick up our reading uh, at verse 11. But prior to that, we find that Paul uh, was wanting to head over to Asia, Paul and Silas, with the gospel. But Paul saw a vision of a man from Macedonia who was standing, urging Paul, saying, Come over. To Macedonia and help us. And so that's what, what we read about that uh, Paul, having seen that uh, vision, he realized that this was from God, what he had seen was from God. And so rather than go to Asia, they were heading off to Macedonia. So we pick it up at verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage uh, to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. 
One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me uh, to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and say and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, uh, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, he said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let these men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Amen, and may God bless to us this reading of his own holy word. And I want us to focus really on these words from verse 25, where we find that about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundation of the prison's prison was shaken, and all the doors opened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And Paul, of course, he cried, uh, cried with a loud voice not to harm himself, that, the, that they were all here. And, of course, he then comes in, trembling with fear, he fell down before them, and verse 30 asked the question, uh, <coughs> excuse me, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved and your household. 
As we know, uh, questions are a very important way of learning. Uh, when we're children, we're always asking questions. How, why, where, when. But uh, when we leave childhood, we don't stop asking questions. Nearly every day we're asking questions. We ask about people, how they are, how this person is, how that person is. Uh, very often when we go to a a place that we've never been before. We ask directions. Um, excuse me, could you tell me when we can't find where we're going, could you tell me where such and such a place is? Uh, often we ask, can you show me how to work this when we're, we're not too sure about it? Uh, in life, we're always asking questions. It's one of the things we do. We often ask questions when things happen in our lives that we don't understand. We ask Sometimes we just ask it out loud, why? Why has this happened? Because it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes we go further than just saying it out loud. We, we ask the Lord, Lord, why? Why why did you allow this? Why why did such and such a thing happen? So that often we're, we're left perplexed and confused uh, by the way things work out in life. And again, people often just ask in general, what is, what is the purpose of of life. Uh, why why are we here? What are we what are we doing here? A lot of people are asking that. Because a lot of people have they have they they've lost a, a real sense of identity in this world. They they're they're more in existence mode than anything else. They just go through life without any sense of just what it's really all about. And that's why the Christian faith uh, really centers us in life in a, in a very powerful way because it shows us primarily that we are here to glorify God and to enjoy him. And there is no question whatever that the more you, your aim in life is to glorify God and the more that you come to enjoy God, the more fulfilled your life is here in this world. There is a spiritual fulfillment that fills your whole being. It takes over so that that sense of uh, fulfillment in God affects you physically and mentally as well as spiritually and affects your whole life. And it's such a shame that so many people are, are void of this, that, they, that they, ne they never look for this. And so... There are so many, as I say, so many questions going on. And of course, probably the greatest question that anybody could ask is the one that this prison officer, the, the jailer in Philippi, asked, uh, what must I do to be saved? And I hope that you have asked that question. If it's possible that you're here today and you're listening in and you've never asked that question, I hope that you'll come even before today is over to say to the Lord, Lord, I know I need to be saved. What must I do to be saved? And uh, that Philippian jailer, uh, he came in a kind of a thundering way to realise that he was in a, in a fearful situation before a holy God. He cries out, what must I do to be saved? Well, I pray that, that you will ask that, that question as well, because being saved is the most vital and important thing for your life, for my life, it's above anything else. Salvation transcends anything else. It is the most important thing. Because the Lord Jesus said, what will a person give in exchange for a soul? He said, nothing. Your soul is more important than anything else in this world. It's more important than all the silver and all the gold, than all the money in the bank. It's more important than all the oil uh, resources that there are. More important than, than anything else. It's of more value. Because this world is going to go, but your soul won't. So that's why Jesus says, the soul is the most important thing. What price can you put upon it? It's priceless. Look after it. And the way to look after it is to be saved, to come to Jesus and to cast your life upon him. You see, the world promises so much, but the world invariably fails to deliver. It might be along the way that you're, a person can be very happy and things going well. But you know, at the end of the day, chasing the world is like chasing a rainbow. 
It's like trying to catch the wind or trying to find to touch. So I used to say the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's trying to reach the, ra the rainbow's end. You can't. It's just, it just goes. And that's what this world is like. Everything in it just, it just goes. It melts. It fades. It vanishes. It's gone. It's here for a little, but it goes. Whatever the world gives you, ultimately, it takes back because you have to leave it behind. And maybe today, some who might be listening, you, you know what it's like to have had your hopes built up in this world and to find them crashing down. Your dreams have been shattered. The things that meant so much to you, these things have turned around and they've hurt you and they've disappointed you. And uh, so often we put our trust in people, we put our trust in systems and uh, political systems and financial systems and uh, so many different things. And at the end of the day, they turn around and they disappoint. But you know, the Lord will never, ever, ever disappoint. And so it is so important that we look to Jesus. And the thing is that today there are so many throughout our land hurting hearts, empty hearts, People are just so empty. And you're just saying, look, the Lord alone can fill that void because we were made for him. And our spirit, if, our, if there's nothing in our soul, then there's a fearful void in our life. And the Lord says, I fill, I'll give you what you need. But people are prepared to look everywhere else to try to find that. But there's only one place. One place, and that is in Jesus. Anyway, we find Paul and Silas on their missionary journeys. And it's very interesting how often in the Bible we find, and particularly in the early church, uh, that it was in twos. We find that they went in twos, Paul and Silas, before it was Paul and Barnabas. We often find Peter and John together. When Jesus sent out the disciples, uh, sent them out uh, on the mission, it was in twos. And it's... Uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of value in that because the ministry is a very lonely job. It's a very lonely work, even although you're surrounded by people and you're interacting with people all the time because you're dealing often at a very emotional level. It's emotionally draining. You're often dealing with people at the, at the sorest points in their lives and you carry a lot of things that you can't tell to anybody else. Can't you? There are certain things you can't share with, with other people. They're personal, they're private, but that other people's concerns and worries that you can't pass on. And sometimes it's quite a can be quite a burden and you can feel quite vulnerable and lonely in it. And uh, so I can see how the how there was method and uh, in, in sending out in twos. The Bible says uh, two are better than one. If one falls, uh, the other can lift them up. And I thank the Lord that uh, for a large part of my ministry that I have a <clears throat> had a ministry as an assistantship I had years in Miraford, which I absolutely loved. I was there on my own as a minister and loved that. But I have served here in Stormy with the late Murdo Alec and as with Kenny Stewart and Ivor Martin and now with James McKeever. And I've really appreciated uh, sharing in the ministry, in, in, the, in my role as an assistant uh, here. And it's uh, I probably have annoyed the living daylights out of them at times along the way because I annoy myself. But it's, there is something in, in having uh, a twosome uh, in, in, in the ministry, in, in two together like that. So here we have the early church. And Paul and Silas, they had been very keen to go to, to Asia, but the Lord was redirecting them. And he says, not, not just now. Uh, I want you to go to Macedonia. I want you to, to head over uh, to Macedonia just now. And you know, when we serve the Lord, every Christian serves the Lord. The moment you come to faith, the moment you're saved, you're saved to serve. You've started to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And above all, you must be always willing to do whatever the Lord wants you to do. And you must be willing to go wherever the Lord wants you to go. I remember when, <clears throat> when I became a Christian, I, I said to the Lord, I'll, whatever you want me to do, and there was at one point where, where, I, where I actually thought I was going to end up going to South America. I was prepared to go, but it didn't, it didn't work out that. The Lord closed the door, but I was prepared. I was ready to go uh, because we, we can't. And that's why I've always, any time 
throughout my ministry that I've ever had a call or a congregation has expressed it. I've always prayed about it. Because I don't make a decision based upon how comfortable we might feel or how how settled our family might feel or any of these things. You have to ask, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? God is always our guide and he will show us. God is far keener to show us and we are to learn what to do because often we don't want to do what God wants us to do. That's the bottom line. So Paul and Silas, they were always ready to do just what the Lord wanted them to do. And so uh, they, they head to Philippi. And of course, Philippi, as we know, was a, Philippi was a Roman colony. It was, uh, Rome had certain strategic places within their empire which were made into little Roman colonies, made into Roman colonies. And Philippi was such a place. And those living in, in uh, the Roman colony, like for instance Philippi, benefited from living under Roman law because they got all the privileges and all the benefits of it. And uh, we find, of course, that that was one of the things that Paul, who actually was a Roman citizen, uh, what they did to him when they stripped him and beat him up and put him into prison without a trial was straight against Roman law. And that is why the, the, the magistrates, the leading authorities, were terrified. They were afraid when they discovered afterwards, this is a Roman citizen and we didn't give him his rights. And they were afraid that the power of the law above them would come down on them. So there was a lot of protection in, in the Roman system. Now, in this chapter, it would be, it would be good to compare and contrast the, the, the two conversions that I mentioned. We have, first of all, in verse 14, we have Lydia. And her story is so different to the prison officer because it tells us very simply that the Lord opened her heart. It's just beautiful, that. Lord opened her heart to hear Paul. You couldn't have a more gentle description of how the Lord just, by his Spirit, opened her heart to hear and to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was so, it was so quietly done. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wants. You hear the sound, but you can't tell where it's coming or where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit, born from above. It's like God's Spirit just blows. And sometimes we know that it's a very warm, gentle wind. You go out sometimes in the summer, and it's just the nicest, gentle, warm breeze. And you say, that's nice. And living up here as we do in Lewis, sometimes it's anything but gentle and anything but warm. Sometimes it's a, a real blast. In fact, very often we know what the wind is like. And sometimes it's like that in conversion as well. That is almost like a tornado. It's like a a full forced gale storm in your life. And that's the contrast between the jailer, the prison officer, and Lydia. Lydia's was gently done. That may be how it has been for you. And you know, sometimes when it's gently done, supposing, and this is particularly for, for people who the Lord laid his hand upon them when they were young, and they grew up with this love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But they've always felt that they have never really been converted. They've been waiting for this great experience within their life. There's never going to be because it is already, the Lord has gently opened their heart. And here they are <clears throat> all these years later and they still love the Lord. And they still serve the Lord. And they, they want the Lord. And they want to be about the Lord's work. And the Lord's word is so important to them. And, but they're still looking for something that they already have. And if there's anybody like that today, ask the Lord just, Lord, make it clear to me that I belong to you. Because it's, it, it's, it's difficult when, you, when you're waiting for something that you already have. But for other people, the experience couldn't be further from, from that. So we said it's like a tornado. You've gone through fearful conviction of sin. Maybe God's providence threw you upside down. Your world collapsed. You were at the end of yourself. You didn't know what to do. You were in agony of soul. You were crying to the Lord. Lord, have mercy upon me. Help me. Don't know I'm, I'm at the end. That's sometimes the way it is. And that's why testimonies are so different. The way that God works with one can be completely different to the other. But the end result is always the same. 
The, there is only one way of salvation, and that is in and through Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the ways leading up to it can be so, so different. So anyway, here we find that in Philippi, as Paul and uh, Silas, and the, they're making their way uh, to, the, to the home here, we read of this girl who was being exploited by some men, making money out of her. Because she had a, a, a spirit of divination, in other words, an evil spirit within her. And she was telling people her fortunes. And they were making a lot of money out of her. And she began to shout after Paul and Silas. And Paul stopped her. And he commanded that the evil spirit would come out of her. And, of course, the result was there was uproar. And when these men they saw that their way of making money had gone, they dragged Paul and Silas along uh, to the rulers. And they brought, turned everybody against them. And the long and the short of it is that they were beaten up terribly. And they were thrown into the prison and told the prison officer, these guys have to go into the inner prison, into the maximum security wing of the prison. And I love the attitude of Paul and Silas here, because it would have been so easy to complain before God and say, Lord, look, look at my back. It's pouring blood. Look at my feet. I'm stuck in these, with these chains on here. And I've been doing your will. We wanted to go to Asia, but you sent us here and look at what happened. Is that the way they are? No. Why? Because they knew that God had a purpose in what was happening. And we must have that faith too, because sometimes God touches you in order to get to somebody else. You see, there was a man in this prison, the prison officer, and he was going to have to be saved. So Paul and Silas have to end up in the prison in order that that salvation would come. And so we must realize that some of the things that happen in our lives, it's not about us, it's about somebody else. So we must have the faith to believe that God knows what he's doing in our life, in our experience. And so <clears throat> we've got to remember that there's a much bigger picture than just ourselves. And rather than Paul and Silas being down and disconsolate, we find that in verse 25 that they're that they're singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. They were sharing their faith. Sure, some of the prisoners were saying, what are these guys like? Look at the mess they're in. And yet they're, they're singing praise to God and they're, they're, they're witnessing. And then as they sang and praised, this great earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison and the prison doors were flung wide open. Well, the prison officer the man who was in charge, when he saw what had happened, he thought, that's it, I'm a dead man walking. Because if you, as a prison officer, allowed the prisoner to escape, you were put to death. Remember when Peter was released by the angel in the prison and they were searching for him, Herod, he ordered that all the prison officers who were there be put to death. But they would all be executed because they had allowed Peter to escape. It was harsh. Uh, so you can see the, the, the prison warden, he was oh, that's it, I've, I've had it. But Paul called out in the darkness, don't do yourself any harm, we're all here, nobody's escaped. So he called for a light and at that moment God dealt with this man. And there must have been, as he, was, he had been ready to plunge a sword into himself rather than be executed by, by the authorities. And he realised, he must have realised at that moment, I'm on the very brink of death. I'm on the brink of eternity. I don't know what he had believed, but God's Spirit came upon him and convicted him with such power that this man, who would have been a hard man, he's trembling with fear and he falls down. All kinds of thoughts would have flooded his mind. He knew Paul and Silas were different. He had seen an attitude he probably had never seen before. He had heard what he had the, the servant girl had been calling them uh, the servant of the Most High God. He had heard their testimony. He had heard their song. He knew they were different. And so in great distress, he says, what must I do to be saved? And he's told, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Couldn't be simpler. What does that mean? Two things we'll say. First and foremost is you have to believe in your mind. That's the first thing. In other words, you believe absolutely everything the Bible tells us about Jesus Christ. We believe all the prophecies. 
We believe all the Gospels. We believe, we believe the whole Bible. We believe that because ultimately it's all an account of salvation, of God's dealing with us in and through Jesus Christ. So we, we accept all these things in our mind. We have to. That's, although we're not analysing what happened, that is essential that we believe that Jesus Christ is who he is. But we have to do more than that, not just with our mind. We have to believe in our heart. We have to accept. In other words, what we have to do, we have to give up on ourselves. We have to stop thinking that somehow that we can make ourselves right with God, that God is somehow going to accept us as we are. No, he's not. doesn't matter what we do. Paul said that, supposing you gave your body to be burned, it wouldn't make you right with God. Only through in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's where we come to the point where we are willing to hand ourselves over to the Lord. And that is the hardest thing for any of us to do. Because we want to stay in control of our lives. Lord, I don't want to give up on myself. Lord says you have to. And this is where we need his grace because we can't do it without his grace. And we have to say, Lord, help me to give myself over to you. I need you. And you see, this is why the Lord will so often take us to the very end of ourselves. Because it's when we reach the end of ourselves, we've given up and we say, Lord, I can't do anything else. Here I am. And you know this, when you come to that place, he will never give up on you. Because you will be saved. Guaranteed, because that's what his word tells us. Those who call upon the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you ask the Lord, wherever you are today, Lord, please give me the grace to put myself, to throw myself, to cast myself entirely upon you. Him that cometh or her that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. It doesn't matter today who you are, what you are, what you've done in the past. doesn't matter what your life is like. The Lord will take you if you will believe in him. He's saying to you today, come to me, come to me. And you know the one, and then it says, uh, you will be saved and your household. Does that mean that when the jailer was uh, believed and then that everybody in the household believed? No. But we, what it means very simply is the salvation that is for you, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, so can everyone in your house. And it would appear to us that the gospel flourished in the, in the, in the jailer's house. Because you see, the moment a person comes to faith, something happens. Supposing there's only one person in the household, right? This man or this woman or this boy or this girl comes to faith in Jesus Christ. What happens? A light goes on in that home. And there's a change in that home because of the Christian who is now in it. And that means that in that home, a prayer is being made all the time for the rest of the household. There is a witness being lived. There is a life being lived to and for the Lord. Things have changed. I, I, I used to love the late Kenny MacDonald in Roskine. He used to say, you know, when the Lord comes to our home, he loves to linger. I love that. In other words, you will often find when God begins to work in a particular home that other members of the family also come in as well. When the Lord comes to our home, he loves to linger. One of the lovely, lovely statements I heard him make. And so that's, that is often so true. And that's really what, what, what Paul is saying here. The gospel of Jesus Christ, is, which is for you, is for your whole household. And it would appear as we read that, that his household were coming to faith as Paul shared the gospel with them all. Today, this gospel is for you as well. Will you cry to the Lord? We're going to conclude saying from Psalm 34 and sing Psalms. And from verse 5. They look to him and shine with joy. They are not put to shame. This suffering man cried to the Lord. From him deliverance came. The angel of the Lord surrounds and guards continually all those who fear and honour him. He sets his people free. So on. Psalm 34, verses 5 to 10. We look to him and shine with
may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each one of you now and forevermore. Amen. The evening service uh, this evening will be at 6.30, so if you are able to do, tune in again when the Reverend James McKeever will lead the worship. So if you are able to do so, it would be great to tune in at 6.30.